Welcome to Wisdom Today. My name is Bill Kelly, and I'll be your host. In this podcast, we will be exploring the book of Proverbs. Let's open in prayer. Father God, I thank you for anyone listening to this podcast today. I pray that you give everyone ears to hear and a heart to receive everything you have in store for them today. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Proverbs 7, beginning in verse 1. My son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. Keep my commands and live, and my law as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call understanding your nearest kin, that they may keep you from the immoral woman from the seductress who flatters with her words. For at the window of my house I looked through my lattice, and saw among the simple, I perceived among the youths a young man, devoid of understanding, passing along the street near her corner, and he took the path to her house. In the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night, and there a woman met him, with the attire of a harlot, and a crafty heart. She was loud and rebellious. Her feet would not stay at home. At times she was outside, at times in the open square, lurking at every corner. So she caught him and kissed him. With an impudent face she said to him, I have peace offerings with me. Today I have paid my vows. So I came out to meet you, diligently to seek your face, and I have found you. I have spread my bed with tapestry, colored coverings of Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. For my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey, He has taken a bag of money with him and will come home on the appointed day. With her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. Immediately he went after her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks till an arrow struck his liver as a bird hastens to the snare He did not know it would cost his life. Now, therefore, listen to me, my children. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. For she has cast down many wounded, and all who were slain by her were strong men. Her house is the way to hell, descending to the chambers of of death. Friends, I have a treat for you today. I have Sydney back on. Sydney, it's so good to have you back. Thanks for joining us. Yes, thank you for having me back. Um, I'm really glad to be here. Okay, now I need to I need to say this because I I I'm months ahead of where we need to be. So first of all, Sydney was on previously on the September 13th podcast. And before you listen to this, I 
would ask that you go back and listen to that. But that aired in September, and we actually interviewed in May. We had just finished school, and today is actually November 7th, but we are actually taping this on February 9th. So I'm nine months ahead. So anyway, Sydney has just gotten married, and she is married to a fine Italian gentleman who I also had on twice. And if you want to write these dates down, I highly suggest you listen to his as well, because if you do, you will see these people definitely have a kindred spirit. His dates were May 10th and November 22nd. So, Sydney, thank you. We just finished reading the seventh proverb, and I would like to know, do you have a verse you'd like to talk about? Yes, yeah, so I really, the whole proverb, honestly, is really good. It's very interesting to me. Um, I thought of and looked at Proverbs 7, verse 7, which says, and it's, well, I'll read the verse before, so it kind of makes more sense. It says, um, for I looked, for at the window of my house, I looked through my casement and saw among the simple ones, I discerned among the youths a young man void of understanding. And that stood out to me because it talks about a young man being void of understanding. And as Bill just read, he gets himself involved with this woman who he has no business being involved with because he was outside and basically tempting himself. And it just shows how important understanding is because it says this man was void of understanding, which to us, it seems very obvious that this was a very bad situation to put yourself in. But when you don't have understanding, you get yourself into situations that are very obvious, obviously terrible, which is why in the beginning it was talking about how you make understanding your kinswoman, because if you don't, you end up void of understanding and being void of understanding can eventually lead to, as this passage says, your death. So I just thought that really struck me in verse seven. Well, you said it, Sydney, and unfortunately, this is an issue not only for men, but it's also an issue with women. And if you're not married, well, thank goodness. I mean, I mean, married people do this as well, but let's let's put that aside. But if you're not married, a lot of people are allured by by skimpy dress. And and this is why they talk about the crafty harlot is because she dresses in a fashion that you have to look at her. When somebody dresses like that, it's almost impossible not to look at them. And there are guys that do the same exact thing. A lot of these guys get buff and they go to the gym and they're, they all, you know, look like Superman and they wear these, <laughs> my gosh, you know, and I get it. I get it. But the thing about it is that does not lead to satisfaction. That leads to lust and lust is going to get you in all kinds of trouble. Anyway, let's, let's put that aside. Let's move on. We're going to go back and, and leave off where we were. We started in May. You had just finished second year. And if you would, share with the audience, what have you done since May of last year? Wow, that's a lot. <laughs> um, so uh, I started working in a company. Um, my husband, Giuseppe, uh, I'm now partners in the company. We have a... Um, social media, SEO, and digital marketing company that we do together now. 
So that was one thing that we started. Um, I also started third year at Karis and I am now in ministry school. So that also happened since May. Um, we also recently got married uh, this past December. So we've been married a little over a month now. So yes, a lot has happened since May, you could definitely say. Well, you know, I want to I want I want to clarify this for the audience because I know both of you going through Bible college and we made reference to this in the September podcast Sydney, but before you married Giuseppe, did you get clearance from the Lord? Did he give you the green light that this is definitely the man he had for you? Um yes, definitely. Um so what kind of happened is that we were talking about getting engaged and all these things because uh, I we kind of knew that we were where we were going where our relationship was heading so before we even fully made the decision I had started praying about it and seeking the Lord about it because I was thinking okay Lord you gave me peace last time to start this relationship so now that we're getting to this point and progressing to this point you know, kind of like checking in. Are we still good? Is this still where we need to be going? And um, he just confirmed it and gave me peace. And it was from the Lord, but also um, that summer after school, we had a lot more time to spend together not being in school. And um, that's when we had uh, the friction. Uh, we had That's where we had like a season of just arguing about random stuff. But it was healthy. It was a lot of healthy conflict because it, we learned a lot about where our personalities and our upbringings and different things were different. So it was much, much needed that we had that time um, because it taught us also how to communicate when we disagree, which was a big thing because we, we always joke about this. He's a person, like I always say that the way he says things offends me and the way I do things offends him kind of thing. Um, but so the fact that we were able to work through certain things um, confirmed to me even more that this was a person that I could marry because it was kind of like if we can't work through this then I know that this relationship can't go further and um, and it wasn't about compromising our beliefs but uh, you know and not being true to who we were but learning how if we could work together and work through those things so that was a big deal and so the confirmation with that the confirmation with the Lord and also um, with my family, I asked my mom and my sister and other people around me um, that I trusted, you know, what they thought of our relationship. So that um, those things all together uh, led to the fact that I felt peace about getting married. Okay, Sydney, I have a couple thoughts that I'd like to do. And first of all, I really think, and, and I want to speak to those people who are thinking about getting engaged right now. I just got done asking you, Sydney, about the importance of getting clearance from God, because I truly believe God has the person that you're actually supposed to be with. And a lot of times we may think we know, but God knows better than we know. And that's the thing I really want to try to get across to everyone. But, Sydney, I truly believe that if you're really going to be successful in a marriage, it has to be your best friend. And I think what you're, I'm hearing you say about what you just said is that over the course of a couple months, you came to the realization that, yes, we may be different, and yet we 
agree on the things that are most important. And I want to go to Psalm 37, 4. I always like this verse. It says, Delight yourself, therefore, in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And what I'm hearing you say is you had a desire to be with this man who is now your husband. Am I, am I, am I pretty much, do, do you, is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure, definitely. Um, I definitely had the desire, but that's why I was checking with the Lord, because I wanted to make sure that it wasn't just my emotions, but that it was um, the Lord bringing us together, because it's so easy to get caught up in the emotions. But also sometimes when you're having those conflicts, it's easy to be like, well, I don't want to deal with this. You know, your emotions can go back and forth very easily. So you have to, that's why you have to check in with other people around you and check in with the Lord. Because sometimes you're just in your flesh and then you're like, well, this person is getting on my nerves. And it's like, okay, but maybe you just need to calm down, you know. So, but yes, definitely. It was a desire of my heart that the Lord uh, confirmed to me. Well, there's a couple things I want to say about that because, you know, Judy and I, we just celebrated our 27th anniversary. So we've been together a long time. And the thing about it is, I think you have a choice when you feel like there's a disagreement and you have the opportunity to, you know, enter in kind of like the, the, the ring, like you're in a boxing ring, or you can sit there and say, you know, let's pause for a moment. And let's just get alone for an hour or two and then come back. Because I think a lot of people get in trouble because they get angry and they say things they don't mean. And a lot of times this is the ending of relationships is they say things that they can't take back in the heat of the moment. And I think this is what I try to portray on this podcast and try to give people wisdom because the Bible says in James, it says, be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. And I always think there's a reason God gave us two ears and one mouth. He wants us to listen before we think, before we speak. Your thoughts on that? No, that's 100% true. I think that um, when we don't listen and we just speak, especially when it comes to like arguing with someone that you're close to, because you think you know this person and you know their motives. So you're just gonna tell them, you know, what what's really going on and what they're doing. But we have to take the time to actually listen to what they're saying. Because a lot of times, it's, it's happened sometimes, but most of the time people don't have malicious intentions. There are, I know that sadly there are some relationships where people are manipulative and things like that. But for the majority of the time, people aren't really trying to hurt your feelings. But just the way you were brought up, the way that you feel, you're different people, you're a man, you're a woman, you're going to have um, just misinformation and miscommunication. And you have to take the time to listen to that person and to learn. And it's funny because for me, it was a little bit that, but also a little bit the opposite because... Um, I'm a conflict, uh, I was a conflict avoider, uh, just being the oldest girl in my family and, uh, just kind of being a person like, okay, it's fine. I can deal with it. And before we even got to a relationship, the beginning of first year, the, like the first week of school, the Lord, um, started dealing with me about that. Cause we had a class with Andrew Womack talking about how to get along with people. 
And Andrew Womack talked about how you have to uh, confront things and deal with things. And so the, through the course of that year, and then when in December I got in a relationship with him, the Lord really ha stretched me in the area of actually dealing with people and um, not avoiding it. Because it was, I, in my mind, I kind of thought it was like, oh, I'm just doing it for them. I don't want the conflict. When really it was me. I didn't want to have to be uncomfortable. I didn't want to have to um, deal with the possible rejection that could happen from stating my opinion. So a lot of times what would happen is that he would say his opinion, but I would just be like, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And then it just got to the point where Laura's like, you have to say something because this is not healthy for our relationship or any relationship that you have. You have to speak up for yourself. Well, that's so good, you know, and I'm going to say a couple things. First of all, I think you understand conflict resolution because you come from a family of nine kids. So I think growing up, I think that prepared you for that kind of thing. The other thing I wanted to bring up, I wanted to bring another verse up in the Bible that says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Now, have you had any issues with that? Because I think a lot of reason why some people eventually will separate and divorce is because they bitter, I mean, they harbor bitterness in their heart and they let um, things that start out real small just get bigger and bigger and bigger. And instead of talking about it and getting rid of it, they just hold it up and then they build walls up. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, definitely. I mean, I was more of the, I would sometimes be bitter, but honestly, I was more of just the put the walls up type of person. Because I was just uh, like, okay, I'm just going to deal with it. I can take it. I'm fine. That was kind of the mentality that I honestly still have to be like, no, it's that's not okay. That's not God's best for you. So it's like you just, like you said, you just take it on and you take it on. And even more, I've been realizing that this year in um, ministry school, one of the teachers, he said how like there's a difference between letting go of your emotions and burying your emotions. And I wasn't letting go of my emotions. I was just burying them. And then when a person would do something that would bother me, I would just bury it again to the point where we couldn't have, like you were saying, uh, the right kind of relationship because I have all this now walls up because I don't trust you because I know that you're going to do this thing that offends me that you don't even know offends me because I won't tell you and I won't open up because it's basically, you know, a fear of rejection. So like I said, it's when you let the sun go down on your anger and the sun on offense, even if you don't turn like angry, you're in some way you're, you are going to try to defend yourself and take protect yourself. And sometimes that comes out in bitterness, sometimes that comes out in anger, and sometimes that comes out in being protective of yourself and keeping people at a distance. Well, that's so good. And I'm going to go to the great love chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And they talk about the stipulations, love doesn't do this, it doesn't do this, in verses 4 through 7. But when we get to verse 8 in chapter 13, it begins with, love never fails. And I, to me, those are the three, you could argue, are the three most important words in the Bible. Love never fails. And for those of you who may have, be having issues in your marriage right now, and, and I hear people talk about this, and a lot of people will end up getting divorced because they say they fell out of love. And I have this, love is a decision. Love is not a feeling. 
And, and we talked about feelings earlier. You talked about feelings and the importance of not getting swallowed up by your emotions. Because emotions can go up and down and up and down and up and down. James talks about that in the first chapter. So good. I mean, James is so good. But the thing about it is, Sydney, love is a choice and it, it is a decision. And that's why you step up to the altar in front of that pastor. You're not just talking to the pastor. You are speaking those vows before Almighty God. He watches everything. And that's why you want to have your closest friends there because they are going to help you be accountable to each other and the relationship. Your thoughts on that? Oh, yeah. That's amazing. That's so true. I mean, if you think that if you base your love on your feelings, then it's not going to last. And honestly, that's not true love. It's not the highest form of love. And a marriage requires the highest form of love. Because like I said, that person's going to get on your nerves. You're going to get on that person's nerves because we're people. And it's just natural. It's what's going to happen. And God made us different. And he made us different on purpose to complement each other. And it's a choice, just like how I had to realize that me um, confronting issues is actually a choice to love my husband because not confronting the issue is going to make a wedge and it's going to cause division and it's going to cause strife. So actually the loving thing to do is to bring it up and that's a choice and it's a choice that's uncomfortable for me sometimes because that's not really my nature to bring stuff up. But like you said, love is a choice and it's like with anything, it gets easier and easier the more you do it, but it also has a reverse. It's easier and easier to not make the right choice the more you do it. And that's where you get into the dangerous territory because you can build up the walls and then you get to the point where you don't even care anymore. And you're just like, okay, this person is doing me wrong. I don't even care. I'm just going to let it go. And then you just kind of become, as people say, you just become roommates living in the same house because you made those choices that eventually led to this uh, situation. Wow, that's so good. And, you know, talking about marriage, I'm going to go to uh, James chapter 4 and 1 Peter chapter 5. And I've really, the Lord really has been placing on me the importance of humility. And in both James chapter 4 and 1 Peter chapter 5, it says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Many people don't know that. It's written by two separate authors, two separate books, James chapter 4, 1 Peter chapter 5. But I like what 1 Peter chapter 5 says. It says, clothe yourselves with humility. In other words, it's like Ephesians 6 where we have to put on the armor of God. 1 Peter's telling us we have to clothe ourselves with humility. And sometimes we're wrong. Sometimes we may not be wrong, but in order to avoid conflict, it's worth it to humble yourself even sometimes when you're not wrong. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's funny because we, in ministry school, um, one of my teachers, Josue, he was talking about how um, in any relationship you have to decide are you going to fight for unity or fight for your rights or fight to be right? Because those two things don't always go together. And it's not a matter of, again, you know, just letting people treat you any kind of way. Um, but 
you people you know the difference of when you're fighting this through just so you can be right and have that pride of being right or so you can actually have unity and another thing that they were saying was how um a lot of times you can own they say own your one percent so even if the person 90 percent is their fault and what they did wrong you can own the one percent you did wrong and maybe the one percent was how you brought it up you brought it up in a very like prideful or very uh, aggressive or demeaning way to the person and you can own that yeah you know I didn't say that in the best way possible and that even then makes a difference because um, when you're humble and people see that you're humble it puts down their guard to be so defensive you know when you're going in like attacking the person and being like you did this to me and it's like this and blah blah, blah it's already going to make uh, the situation way worse versus when you go in with humility even if you are right in the situation when you go in with humility then the Lord can work in that but when it's all you and like I'm gonna go in this and I'm proving my point and showing this person what they did wrong you know it's it's gonna be a hot mess well you know and, and the thing I want everybody to consider who's listening to this is a lot of times when we come into these disagreements it's usually with the people who are closest to us. And that's what really, really makes the decision that much easier that we need to bow down and humble ourselves. Jesus set the example for us in John chapter 13. You know, the Last Supper, the Last Supper had just taken place. He had just sent Judas Iscariot out and said, go, do what you have to do. And then he humbled himself. He took out his outer garments. He found a bowl. He put water in the bowl, and he washed the feet of his disciples. The only thing he did better than that, I mean, that's a lesson for all of us. He told us that in John chapter 13. But by going on the cross, that is where he said, I'm all yours. And he was willing to all of the sin of all mankind, every sickness, every disease, for three hours. And it says that the sky turned black because of all the horrendous things. Anyway, let's switch gears. You are in ministry school, and we just have fantastic teachers. I'm sure you hear Greg a lot. I'm sure you hear Rick a lot. I'm sure you hear others. How has ministry school prepared you for the rest of your life? Wow, there are so many good classes that we've been taking. Um, one of the overarching themes, well, I guess I'll say two overarching themes that have been really sort of just pounded into us during ministry school is that the greater the leader you are, the higher level you need to serve people. Because ministry or anything, it's about people. It's not about a project. And the minute your uh, whatever your goal is in life becomes about just a task and a project, you're headed down a dangerous path. And that's one of the biggest things I feel like I've been learning in ministry school, just being constantly reminded of. And honestly, another big thing is they've been teaching us how to um, be a leader in a group and how to deal with conflict and how to, um, in a godly way, um, come to a resolution and how um, before you can even have conflict, it's a lot easier if you already have established trust. 
Um, and that was one of the biggest things I've been learning about how is when you have a team or you're dealing with anybody, you have to establish some type of relational trust so that way you can speak to the situation. And that's something I, I kind of knew, but I never heard laid out so plainly, if that makes sense. Um, so that's something that's been uh, really teaching me and really speaking to me these past couple of months that I've been in ministry school is how I have to establish trust with people, but also I have to trust people in order to build a strong team in order to accomplish that what god has for me because another big thing they teach you is that um your ministry is meant to have people in it and if your ministry is only as big as you doing it then your ministry is too small and you're thinking too small and you haven't fully um heard what god has for you because god is relational god made community and if your ministry is just you doing everything then you haven't gotten it all yeah, well, I know we've we've heard that the average size of a regular congregation is like 70 people, and that is if the pastor basically is doing everything. And if you really want your church to grow, you need to learn to delegate. And to me, Sydney, it's all a matter of pride. It's all a matter of pride. Because if you're not willing to delegate stuff, what that's telling me is you believe you can do it better than anyone else. And Sydney, no one's that good. No one is that good. There are people, believe me, in your congregation that can do things better than you. And the sooner you realize that, the better it's going to be. And the best leader is going to be somebody who wants people stronger than him underneath him. That is when churches are really going to grow. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that reminds me of how we were learning that real leaders build other people up and help other people um, learn their gifts that God has given them. It isn't about you. This isn't a one-man show. You should be able to, if you're a leader, you should be helping other people discover what God has put into them. It's not like you said, it's just not about you. And I notice that sometimes the pride also shows up as like, um, I'm afraid that, if I step away, everything's going to fall apart, which comes down to that you think that this ministry and your thing is on you and not on the Lord. And I remember um, we were talking earlier um, before how uh, I said I helped out at a summer camp uh, for kids and I was on staff and it was a ton of kids and we were understaffed. It was kind of crazy, but the Lord brought us through it. And that's a story for another time. But um the year after that, um, they asked me if I wanted to be on staff again. And um, I remember I was like, I'm not sure. I have to think about it. But at the same time, I was thinking about how, wow, like, wow, that was crazy last year. And I had kind of like a subconscious thought, of like, how is this camp going to run if I'm not there? And I didn't even realize I had the thought until um, I was praying in tongues about it. And I felt the Holy Spirit say in my spirit that um, the camp will be just fine without you. And it was, you know, it was kind of like, uh, it was a little harsh, but I needed to hear it because the Holy Spirit needed to remind me two things. One, that I need to have peace that he's the one who started that camp and he's the one who's going to keep it going. But also just a pride check for me that it's not about me and I wasn't, I'm not the one who's making the whole thing run together. Yes, obviously, you know, we all as humans and giftings, we bring value to things, but at the end of the day, God is the one who gives us the grace to do things, and he's the one who it actually falls upon 
as the verse says, like, uh, God gives the increase. Wow, that's so good. And, you know, I I sit there and think of the churches that I've gone, and the churches that are most successful is when there is a large team in here and a large team in that and a large team in that. Because the thing about it is he's called all of us, Sydney, to be able ministers. Now, Now, in Ephesians 4, it's very clear. He's called some to be apostles, some evangelists, some prophets, some pastors, some teachers, but he also has other ministry gifts, such as the, the, the gift of uh, ministry of helps. And the ministry of helps is so important. The ministry of hospitality. And, and that's important. You know, these the, all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit are important. And we all serve the body. We're all a small part of the body, but we all have our giftings. And we all have things that God wants everyone to be involved in. Yeah, it makes me think of uh, going back. I have a lot of camp stories, but going back to when I was at my camp, um, we had groups of teenagers that would come in and help us. It was kind of like their mission trip. They would come in and help us run the camp for a week. And one thing I noticed is, one, I had to learn to delegate, which I'd never had. I, like I said, I was used to doing having to do everything for myself and not having people who could help me. So that was already a stretching point for me. And then... I noticed that when we gave them responsibility and gave them the freedom to do it, they could do stuff better than us. They had ideas and insights that I didn't even think about. Like, there was one group of teens that were really, really helpful. For one thing, we gave them the, uh, we held them to a higher standard of leadership. And we were like, hey, this is how we need things to be run. Um, This is how you have to deal with the kids. And they stepped up to the plate. And it was the most peaceful week we had at that camp because we gave them the opportunity to uh, use their gifts. And they thought of these cool ideas, like they thought of a whole escape room. They made an escape room for the kids to do. They thought of these crafts and stuff, all this cool stuff that I didn't even enter my mind. But we gave them the opportunity to do it and they just like flourished because like you said, we giving people, everybody has gifts, everybody has talents. And they were able to probably one of the first times in their lives that they were put in a position of leadership and having responsibility in their church and they were able to help us and do something really great for the kids that um that week that they were there okay i want to ask you a thing because you you're a little bit different than than most people i have on and the fact is your mom and your sister are also at Karis second year and I feel I would be really, I don't know, doing you a disservice without ha- asking how important is it to have loved ones also going and hearing the word of God, knowing that not only are they going to heaven, but that they're also going to be strong moving forward. It's very comforting. It's very encouraging. Honestly, my mom and I um, started at the same time. Uh, we first started uh, first, excuse me, second year, excuse me, first year online at the same time. Um, but I finished a little bit before her just because, I mean, I'm single and my mom is married and has nine children. So, um, but it's awesome having them here. It's awesome because, you know, it's great when you have people who are learning the same things that you're learning and also that they're growing in the Lord and you can talk with them about things that they're hearing and they have a perspective on things that, it's similar to yours, but they're seeing things that you haven't even seen. And it's funny because 
they're in second my mom and my sister are in second year now and second year is different from when I was in second year so it's cool to see what they're getting out of second year and what the Lord's speaking um, to them in second year versus um, what I was learning in second year so it's been really great and really encouraging uh, just having them here now well, that's so good, and and I just want to um, ask you this: You and your husband have just started a new business. How has going through Karis helped you in the business? Well, as I was saying before, definitely again dealing with conflict because I was terrible at it. <laughs> so um, now that we're working together, we're married, we're working together, and also having a business together learning to be like, hey, this is uh, bothering me or anything like that. And also another thing that Karis that really helped me was um, there's a class I t uh, elective I took on boundaries. And it's been helpful because I even use it now when it comes to boundaries of um, our work time. Because especially when you work from home, you're, now your home is your office. So it's easy to get those things really muddled and mixed together. And what happens sometimes that, you know, people want to call you at 7 o'clock at night or um, people call you like it's an emer their website is having an emergency and then you realize that it's really not an emergency. And um, honestly, something I just learned this week at school, Billy Epperhart was talking about how you cannot make pe other people's emergencies your life. And it's so, so true because there's always going to be something going on. And that's when you have to rely on the Lord and use wisdom and take a moment and think, does this actually have to be addressed right now? Or can this wait till Monday? Or can this wait till the next business day? Instead of getting on the computer at night and fixing whatever problem is going on. And that's been um, something at Karis that's really been helping me is just learning that boundaries are healthy not only for me, but also it teaches them that, oh yeah, I need to have these boundaries for myself also. So that's, that's really good. Okay, Sydney, um, I'm going to give you a few minutes to share anything at all. You have an open mic. Just talk to the audience what you have on your heart right now. Um, I just want to say that um, one thing I always want to say is that God loves you, and whatever you're going through, just give it to the Lord. Sometimes it's so easy to just get caught up in life and all the things that you have to do. And we get, I'm saying this because I have a lot of things that I'm doing right now. And it's so easy to just take on everything and just kind of get tunnel vision. And it's important to remember that one, the Lord goes with you in whatever you're doing. Two, he loves you. And three, let him help you. And the Lord's been reminding me of John, I want to say it's John like 15, maybe it's 14. It's 15 or 14, where it talks about he's the vine dresser. And how it says, apart from me, you can do nothing. That's 50. 50, thank you. Um, and I have been reading that recently, and it's been reminding me how I need to rely on the Lord's strength. Because when I try to do things in my strength, that's when I start to experience burnout and fatigue. And that's a sign that I'm trying to do this by myself. Because the Lord gives us grace to accomplish whatever we need to accomplish. And so I just want to encourage everybody to... Remain in the vine and remember that vines don't have to grow. Vines don't have to produce. They just have to be there and let it happen. And so as you're doing everything and whatever the Lord has called you to do, just remember that God is giving you the strength to do it. He's giving you the grace to do it. And he's giving you the wisdom to do it if you'll rely on him instead of yourself. Wow, that's really good. 
All right, let's, uh, I'm going to ask one more favor of you. If you would, um, just go ahead and invite people to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Yeah, um, kind of going off of what I said before, the ultimate of laying down things and letting the Lord take it is letting the Lord uh, have your life. And I know that things are kind of crazy right now. A lot of times people are experiencing different things, but God loves you and God has a good plan for your life. And he doesn't want you to have to do your life alone. And so if you right now are like, I know that I have never given my life to the Lord. I know I don't have a relationship with the Lord. And so I don't know how to give him things and let him give me the grace and the strength. The Lord did it all for you. Again, all you have to do is tell Jesus yes and tell him that I know that I've made mistakes. I know that I'm a sinner. I know I can't do this on my own. Lord, I want you to come into my life. I want you to help me. Thank you that you've already given me this free gift of salvation. And the awesome thing is it's free and it's not just forgiveness of sin. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to give you wholeness and healing and prosperity and so many wonderful things. And so I just encourage anybody right now that um, just give it to the Lord. It's the best decision you can ever made, ever make. And he has good things in store for you. Well, th Sydney, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. You have a lot of wisdom, and it's so neat seeing someone as young as you um, just carrying on the torch. You know, Jesus has called us to be the salt of the earth, and salt adds flavor, and, and it adds flavor to everything, and that's how we're to walk around. But thank you so much. Friends, if you said that prayer, if you have any questions about anything that Sydney talked about today, please reach out to me on my Facebook page at Bill Kelly, K-E-L-L-E-Y. And if you have any specific questions, reach out to me on Messenger, and I will get back with you. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Friends, please join me again tomorrow as we further explore wisdom today.